Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Welcome back to another episode of Culture Eat Strategy. And doggone it, if I see this on here, I, I'm really stoked. Um, today we're going to be having, we're going to be hearing some stories today, which I think are going to be pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, so I can get the right background on here. I do apologize for uh, starting off with my company on there. So here we go. We got Culture Eat Strategy right there with me, Jamie J. We're going to be talking about culture today. And we're talking. We're going to have a good conversation, pretty straightforward, with Mario Nafal. Did I butcher your last name, Mario? Said, no, you said it right, man. You said it right. I like the yes. in the game. Yes, got it. So um, really quick, let me do a couple quick things. If you're looking for a virtual assistant, you've got to go check out Bottleneck VAs, and that's bottleneck.online. If you are finding yourself running late, missing uh, dinner dates, and uh, having to work over the weekends, you may be in need of a virtual assistant. So come to bottleneck.online to help stop the bottleneck in your business. Also, another podcast that I think is really cool right now that you got to go and listen to, uh, follow your different with Christopher Lockhead. You might find our intro familiar if you go and listen to Christopher's uh, uh, podcast because he actually was kind enough to lend his voice to our intro there. So thank you so much, Christopher Lockhead. Go check out that podcast, follow your different, and it's awesome. You can find it at lockhead.com, and that's L O C C H E A com, And so today we're talking with Mario Nafal, and I got it right, so stoked. He's a founder of Fruit the International. He's a founder of the Athena Group of Companies, a business conglomerate that operates in more than 40 countries. He's a partner in the International Blockchain Legal LLP. He's the founder and CEO of IBC Group, and he's a founder of IBA Group, IBI Ventures, IGC Group. That's a lot of founding. <laughs> uh, I work too much. I want to start the chat with Bottleneck VAs. Is that your company? That's my company. Yes. I've made a whole, I was just at an incubator not long ago and it was all about the value of VAs. I would not, I'm not kidding and I'm not trying to, Holy cow. I cannot stress enough the value of having VAs and of managing them right. A lot of people get oh. a VA and then they're not happy with the work they do. Sometimes that happens. But if you don't properly give them the instructions of what to do and then there's a feedback loop to make sure they report to you and you guide them through and you train them, it can change your business if done right. We've got some of our, we've got a person who's a marketing coordinator now. She's part of our Romanian team. Her name is Teodora. And she started as a VA. There's Alexandra, there's Josiane. So Elian, I can just name one after the other. So what you're doing, man, is just so valuable for business. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough for that. And, and this goes to, you can see how the relation between culture and remote-based activity, Right. Like, I've built my, I cannot wait to talk to you more about this because that's... A, I've built my businesses remotely. Everyone's remote. 100%, we are too. We're 100% remote. I work out of the house. You it know? doesn't... Uh, for me, culture, it doesn't have to be constrained to an office. I have an office, a head office in Australia. 
Um, and I've got most of my team members around the world. They hit 100. And, uh, it, you know, the culture just builds through the way you communicate with you through many ways. We'll get there. Yeah. So, so you have over 100 team members. At all my companies, yeah. Holy, that's incredible. That just blows me away. So what's my biggest challenge is communication. That's always going to be a biggest challenge. Mine. How do you deal with that? It's tough. I wish I had a whiteboard. Uh, don't have one here in this apartment. So look, a lot of people like to have an open office, for example, if it's a physical office, or they like to, to communicate something to everyone. So everyone's in the loop. And in the early days, people would come to me and say, Mario, you know, we need to know what's happening in the company. And, and that's, you know, many people believe that, that when you communicate something, you have to let everyone know the more people that know, the better. And that's a problem because the more people that know something, they're spending time to understand something, to learn something. Maybe it doesn't relate to them. So in the last few months, I've actually changed my approach to have less people. I'm sorry if I can get a whiteboard. Um, let me see if you can see the whiteboard here. I've got one here. Ah. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I didn't expect it to be here. Can you see this? I can see it. I can see it. And for those that are listening, I, I can explain yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, if you have two people communicating, just one person communicating to the other. If you add one more person, suddenly there's two more lines of communication. Now, every person you add has to communicate to everyone else. So the more people that are involved, adding each person will add many layers of inefficiencies because that person will be in touch with all the other parties. You probably heard of the pizza groups, having small groups of three to four people. Mm. I've learned that to be the most efficient way. So with your team, when communicating, keep it on a need-to-know basis. Keep the communication sharp. Elon Musk had an article recently, or he, I think he had a meeting with his team, and he's completely against having internal meetings. Keep them sharp. Keep an agenda there. The less people involved, the better. And that's how you probably... I've had to go through this because as you scale very quickly, the yeah. more people you add, the more inefficiencies there is and the more hierarchy. Yeah, and the more challenges and the trip-ups that you make. And it's funny that you brought up Elon Musk because he, uh, he did an article about the meetings and he, he asked one of the people there in the meetings that didn't say anything. He goes, why the hell are you in this meeting? You haven't said anything. What are you doing here? <laughs> What's the point? Exactly. And, and there's two things to that. First, empowering people to speak. But at the same time, if someone doesn't need to be there, there's no need to waste your time waste their time putting them in the meeting. Research mm. shows having open offices where everyone can hear everyone. It's just wasting everyone's time. If I'm talking to a marketing manager about something they're working on, let's say I'm talking to the guy that's managing PPC, why does my um, branding person need to hear the whole conversation? Maybe mm. they need all bits and pieces. Maybe all that's relevant to them is 30 seconds out of the 40-minute call. Mm. One point. So you don't need to include them in a 40-minute call when there's only one or two things they need to know. Mm. And that's, that's mainly applicable to larger companies. Um, when I launched IBC, for example, that almost killed my business in the early days. IBC is a consulting business and is very people dependent. And I had to sit there convincing they would have mini calls, but they'd add everyone there. Even people not dealing with a project, they'll be listening to projects that, where they're not related until they get to their point. So they're wasting their time listening. Uh, and then we kind of put in a system where anyone that's there that doesn't need to be there can just jump off and then we'll add them back in. We use Skype. Say, so jump off the call. We'll add you back in in 20 minutes when it's back to your project. And we add them on. All right, John, we're going to talk about your project. Da, da, da. Oh, we're done. You can jump off. Add someone else. So that need to know basis of communication worked really well for us. 
the whole wow. That's interesting. I haven't heard, I haven't heard meetings run like that. We do have our weekly meetings, but it's very, very high level, right? So we do have our team that meets once a week on there. How many people? How many people? Oh, uh, 16. 16. Yeah, um, I did that for a while and I'm not sure if they're still doing it. I think that's a good meeting. We used to do it once every fortnight. Mm-hmm. Where it's more, that's important for culture. So this is not getting things done. This is important to keep everyone in the loop so they feel like, especially if you work remotely. So we had people from Italy, Slovenia, Germany, France. That's for Fruity. We used to do mm-hmm. that a lot for Fruity because very spread. And everyone comes in, we tell them about new products we're launching, new strategies we have, what's the plan. It's a 30 to 45 minute call that we record and we send to anyone that couldn't attend. And that's more, they don't need to know this, but it's good for the culture and yes. they, they see what they're achieving and where we're heading. What, so that's to clarify the direction that we're heading to and it increases productivity. But feel free to disagree with me. I'm, I'm learning as... Uh, yeah, as no, I've, I've, I, I'm, it's not that I disagree. It's just that I haven't heard of anything run like that before. I think that's interesting. It's always neat to learn different ways that meetings are being run. And I think as we move into this, um, whether it's remote or, remote or you're brick, in brick and mortar, um, I think as long as you communicate effectively what needs to be done and everybody's on board with that and enjoy enjoy the meetings. I know it can be serious in business and stuff like that, but there's no need why they can't enjoy the meetings or have the meetings be inspirational at some point. We always start our meetings uh, off and, and they're not run by me. They're run by Anthony, our, our COO, but he, 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 he literally states the vision and our mission in the beginning. And this is a simple, subtle reminder. Being from corporate America, I remember getting this mission slammed in my face whenever the brass would come in there. Memorize this. If they ask you, you got to say what the mission is. And da, 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 da. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. This is terrible. We say it because we truly believe it. And then everybody on the call, they talk about, hey, what were some of their wins? You know? That's what and, and one of the biggest things is we make decisions. I've talked about this on previous episodes, but the way we make decisions is for the company first, for the staff second, and for our clients third. The reason why we do that is if we don't make a good decision for the company, how are we going to take care of our staff? If we don't take care of our staff, how are the staff going to take care of our clients? So yeah, everybody is empowered to make their own decision and they all have job roles and responsibilities where they can operate in and make their own decision. And because if they make a bad decision, it's not going to bankrupt the company. It's okay. We'll address that. We'll figure out why they made the bad decision and how we can fix it and let them move on. But they feel empowered to do so. That leads you to a tricky question. I, I want to also talk about how meetings will differ because I have different companies, one in health and wellness, and that's all about loving the customer. And another one in, in the fintech blockchain where it's very corporate and very mm. serious. And I, I just, it was fascinating for me and I learned it as I went. So that's more anecdotal there. This is my own experience how the culture was completely different with those companies. But I have a question for you. You mentioned how, um, you know, company first, staff second, so team member second, and then uh, customer third, which I've heard this before. Now, if you have a decision, and I've, I've always thought about this, it would, would you choose, maybe it's not binary, maybe you can have both, but would you choose the, the client or the team member first? Depends on, if, on the scenario. Uh, good, good answer. Good. Yeah. Not, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I, w- I will tell you right now that if we have a client that is acting up and treating our team member poorly, I have no qualms in confronting and addressing the issue with our client. I will even go so far as to let the client go. I don't mm-hmm. care. You don't treat someone on our staff 
uh, in a in a mean mean way. The same thing on the flip side, though, if our staff is not following up, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. If they're not, fo- they they understand that hey, they're they're hurting the company, which is hurting our other team members because we now have to cover, and they're obviously hurting our clients. So so it, it goes both ways. It depends on where we have to address, and we will do so. But I'll tell I, you, I'll yeah. tell you what I did. This reminds me of an example. I've had a client, a similar case where the client was too rough to a team member, but the team member did make a mistake. So it's like the team member did make a mistake, but the client overreacted. And I think what I did back then, uh, that's at IBC, is I brought in thick-skinned senior team members to come in, thinking, because these clients that are harsh, as long as it doesn't become personal, if someone's thick-skinned and I know them, I'm like, oh, it's fine, he can do whatever he wants. And those clients could become fans if you actually manage to get through Mm -hmm. their harsh treatment. But there's a thin line there. Um, and again, I don't think it should be binary. It could be, you know, it depends on the scenario on your team. Yeah. That's good. I think we agree. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that too. And it does, it does depend, you know, it does depend on the, the relationship between staff and clients, you know, and, and who you put in there. And I think, I think it's a judgment call, but so that we all have a general understanding company-wide, we understand that whenever we, meaning me, staff, anybody on the team make a decision, we make it so that, okay, is this a decision that's going to affect the company in a positive way? Will it affect our team members in a positive way? And will affect our client in a positive way? If it says no to any of those, that's a bad decision. Makes sense. I like that. Yeah. I try that out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I learned learned it from Gabe Arnold. From who? I learned it from Gabe Arnold. He calls he calls it the tree of life. That's how he operates his company. And uh, I just thought it was I just thought it was fantastic. And so since we've implemented that during our meetings now, one of the questions that we ask during our company meeting is, "What decision did you make last week that benefited the company, the team, and the client that you would have had to come to either Jamie or our CEO at the time?" So a lot of it's it's getting people to move forward. It's it's it's, it's a lot of fun that way. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens. I thought Gabe, uh, what was it Arnold's name? Gabe Arnold. I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. Great guy. Um, so when when you're going about your, how do you? That's my question now. How do you manage all these different companies? I don't. I don't, hours I, don't to, I don't, man. I don't. That's the thing. You can't have that many companies and manage them all. Uh, you probably know the importance of delegating and having the right people to delegate to. Even when it's VAs delegating to the right VA, it's a skill. Delegating is a skill, and I had to master that skill to be able to scale. I've got people that are by my side, even during tough times, that allow me to have that many companies. Why do you why think do they we, are? Why do you think why, they're by your side? Why are they your? your oh, well, why are they one of the, the hardest one. Two. There's two that have been by my three, three people that have been by my side through, through Helen back. Um, one of them is my brother, so I'm thankful there. And, um, there is value mm. in having the right family member that does work. He's incredible. Um, so my brother. The other one's uh, my uncle, and he's in- incredible as well. He manages the Australian branch as well as the European branch of one of my companies. And then there's Andrea, who's been – she manages our VAs as well. She's the VA queen. Yeah. And <laughs> why is this – I built a relationship with him, uh, not only for the paycheck, they could have left me. Uh, there's other people as well. There's Raluca Vlad, if they're watching this. I want to make sure I mention there's many other team members that are there that help me through everything. But there's a personal connection as well. They've got great respect for me. 
um, and they understand that I, I've got great respect for them and I've trusted them and, and they also like the challenge. You know, there's many things. Actually, it's not one reason why. There isn't one reason. Mm. They like the challenge. They, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of care for the company. They feel part of the company. They know that the company will be there when, when they need it. If they need a loan, if they have personal issues, we're there. So it's just building relationships, man. As, as you talk about culture. The culture is, is, is a magnet for having such people. And yep. the culture could be anything. You know, a culture doesn't have to be come into the office, have a big smile, love each other, love the customer, and that's it. And that's a great culture. Nothing wrong with that. And, and we've got companies that have that culture. But we can have a culture like the law firm, for example. Our law firm or, or IBC. We talked about IBC. It's more serious. We come in. Our job is to achieve the goal for the customer. And it's got that hustle culture. You know, you work hard. You've you got to talk to the client, update the client, move fast, move with the industry. Very different culture to some of my other businesses. Mm. So culture could be anything as long as it's not a negative culture, as, not, as long as it's not toxic, and as long as it's right for the team members that you need in the company. Mm. It really doesn't need hard-ass salespeople selling the health and wellness products we have. The products sell themselves. We need people that will be there for the customer when they need help. IGC needs those good salespeople that will talk six-figure, seven-figure deals with clients that will deal with exchanges in China and Korea. So it's two different worlds. Yeah. And um, you've got to cater um, for, the, for the team members, for who you're trying to bring on board. Yeah, you talked about toxic. You mentioned that word to- toxic and toxicity. Um, oh, man, and, I've, yeah. been, I've been screwed, Jamie. I've been screwed by team members. <laughs> I know the toxicity of having the wrong team members. Kill yeah, me. D- t- tell me a story. Like, and t- the reason oh, why, the reason why, um, and you, you don't have to go into mention names or oh, I can go, ideas, yeah. but, but, but the reason why I want to talk about this is one of the bigger aspects of culture and whether culture can be negative, can be positive. It doesn't matter. That's culture. It's how things, it's how people behave, right? Yeah. Look at the culture, look at the culture in Apple. There's bad sides to that culture and look where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you look at it this way. Um, I, lead from a, a point of kindness. That's, that's how I lead. Some people think that that's weak. For me, I think it's powerful. I think it's extremely powerful. And, and in, in, in the, that leadership skill, the people on our team buy into that. And everybody's kind. Now, if someone's not buying into that, that's toxic, in my opinion. And the reason why I wanted to ask for an example of maybe a toxic time is because I'd love to hear an example of what happened and what you did to right the ship. Mm, okay. Uh, now, in terms of your kind, the kindness in the culture, it's so powerful. The Jay mm-hmm. Bear, I've been listening a lot to Jay Bear recently. He's hug your haters, for example, and all that. The guy is, talks a lot about that kindness um, being communicated to the customer and customers want that feeling. And we've implemented, that comes from culture. So mm-hmm. you have to implement this within your business. We call every customer now recently. We started calling every single customer that places an order. We give them a quick call to say thank you. We're sending love heart stickers to our customers, sending free gifts. Uh, having that, honestly, wanting to love our customers, that's in, in Fruity. Um, an incident with culture. I've had so many incidents. It's just so many stories. Now, we only have 20 minutes. I want to find the right story that will fit the culture. There's been many small stories of team yeah. members that, were, that just did not fit and we had to let them go. Um, 
sometimes, look, when you, ha- you have a culture and you have to stick by it, you let go of people that don't fit their culture or they will leave. There's nothing wrong with that. I had a team member, and I'll, I'll start with a small story. Not, the big ones are a bit too, too much for, for culture. But I'll start with a small story. We had a person, um, and she worked with us. She was great. We have, we have a great culture where we're not only positive, et cetera, but we're very fast moving, very, very fast moving. We respond fast to market changes, and that's one of our moats, one of our edges in business. And it was too much for her. And she left the business, suddenly left no notice, nothing at all after working with us for two and a half years because it was getting, we were going through a tough time. A lot of people took this personally. Now she left us. How could she leave us at that time uh, when we need her the most? You know, shows her true colors. One person told me, I sent that person a gift, a, a, a basket, a gift basket saying, I'm sorry, you know, it wasn't a good fit. You've done so much for the company and I just want to thank you. Because there's nothing wrong with letting go of a person because it's not a culture fit doesn't mean they're wrong. And there's nothing wrong with a person leaving because the, the, the culture fit isn't there. And it's just always good to remember that and to communicate that to your team as you build a culture. Mm. Um, I hope that, that makes sense and that brings value to your audience. But that's one incident where the culture fit wasn't there. IBC had that a lot. IBC was scaling so fast. We were hiring a person a day at one stage for a few weeks. So it was scaling really, really fast. And that's where it gets, that's another story. Hiring a person a day, <laughs> how the hell are you going to make sure they fit the culture? HR was under the pump. And that's where the, now many might disagree with it, but it's out of necessity. The hire fast had to lead to firing fast as well. Now, fire fast sounds a bit negative. Just letting go early so that doesn't have to cause more pain to your team or to the person working. So that we had to let go of people pretty quickly when we found out they're too slow. Um, they were not a good team member. They're not part of a team. I had to come in with some team members at IBC when it couldn't scale quickly. I came in and I let go of, uh, say, about 33%, 40% of the team. I go of them. Why? They just could not fit into the culture, and the culture was moving really fast. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, don't hesitate. Uh, Jack Welsh talks a lot about that. Do not hesitate to let go of the team members. There's another school of thought, though, Jamie. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm. Uh, the, um, the founder of Atari talks about Steve Jobs and he has a book. I've got the name of the book, the founder of Atari. And he talked about Steve Jobs. He said, culture is really important, but sometimes you might get someone, a team member, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. A team member that's so good at what he does. In this example, was Steve Jobs. Does his job really, really well, but he was not a good fit into the culture. And what he recommended, this nice contrarian view, is that some people that are extremely, extremely skilled and I, I did that myself as well, without thinking. Are you talking about Marty Goldberg or Kurt Vindel? One of those two. It doesn't ring a bell. I can get you the name of the book. You can, I don't know, put it in the description. It's a great book. I've yeah. I read it twice by the founder of Atari. And he, he says that you know, Steve Jobs was not a culture fit. And probably anyone that's watched Steve Jobs' documentary, you know what I mean by that. Yeah. But he still wanted to keep him in the company because he was obviously a lot, very valuable. So what do you do, in your opinion, when someone is extremely talented, not negative, um, Steve Jobs was a bit, bit of an asshole, according to some at that company. But what do you do when you have someone very talented and it's not a culture fit? That's a tricky one. Mm. Maybe it's not tricky to you. Like it's not binary. Like you don't let go of anyone. Maybe you should work with him personally or give him. We had one person that's like that. What I did, maybe that could apply to some. I had him work with Andrea, who was a really effective 
she's always by my side, my right hand uh, woman, and she jumps into new businesses with me. And I said, Andrea, this person, you know, with, I even I'm, I'm very impatient, so I couldn't deal with this attitude. And I said, you know, you work with him, and it got the best out of him. So that person was working side by side with Andrea, and he worked with us, and still is working with us, um, doing a great job. So there are ways around it if someone's not a culture fit, but as long as you keep them away from everyone else, so it doesn't poison the culture. And no one in the company would like to see someone getting a special, getting special treatment. So that's why you had to separate them. Because if they see that person getting special treatment, I could sense the animosity. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know what? That's interesting. Um, That's really interesting because I think it is a case by case. You can't, you know, you you can't have black and white, Um, especially when it comes to hiring. Um, We also implement four core values that we base our decision-making processes on. And if it doesn't align with any of those four core uh, values, it's a no. It's simple. If they align with three but not one, no. If they align with two but not the other two, no. It makes decision-making a lot easier for us. We spend too much time, what we found is thinking about making a decision and that was slowing down our processes. And so by just making that kind of black and white, it does help. But what happens if someone slips through the crack and we do hire somebody that doesn't ultimately fit into, well, we'll be willing to work with them and work through it and see if we can work with it. If they're, if they're really good, like if you know how those, you have those people that are so freaking talented at something, I've had a few, mm. like better than, better than anyone else in the company but they don't have people skills. Do you let them go when they got that much, they can bring so much value or do you find a way around it to be able to capitalize on their skills without impacting the culture? Yeah. So that's a great question. We just let someone go who is extremely talented. They were really good. And we ended up letting them go because they didn't do what we wanted them to do as far as communication, everything that aligned with our culture. Now, it was an amicable separation, very amicable, but it nonetheless had to happen. Um, so even though we're now risking that talent kind of uh, not there right now, um, that, that void of talent, um, we're just simply not offering a service aligned with that talent until we can find another replacement. Oh, uh, so that, that's a big deal for us because we're a small yeah, company. I wouldn't, I would, I would not do that exact. I would like think twice before doing that, but maybe it's, I, I don't know. Oh, this was like probably four or five, five thoughts. <laughs> it oh. wasn't just right away. It, it was over time. Um, and finally we pulled the trigger. Yeah, it's interesting. It's tough. Like I'm learning as I go. There's no answer and I'm, I'm still learning. What's the yeah. best way I'm testing. Like I've had another team member. Um, that was a long time ago, four years ago in my early days of my business, when I left the office for the first time, we had one team member who was, you know, I think COO at the time, and he was not a culture fit. And I did not, I, you know, I, I wasn't addressing culture back then. And it hurt mm. me. And he started getting everyone on his side and started building that toxicity. And um, when I noticed that, when I realized that, and when I saw, you know, other people change their behavior, that positivity is gone. I went to the office, took him to the desk and told him to leave on the spot, went, packed his stuff and left. It was that toxic, that bad. So yeah, I think when, they, when it reaches a certain level, better let them go. Yeah. Um, communicate, I am, communicate often, communicate early. Oh, communication yeah. solves everything in business, in personal life. 
Tim Ferriss or someone or Tools of Titans has a quote. Um, someone's success is determined by the number of uncomfortable uh, conversations they have. Ooh, and um, it's, it's a very good quote. The amount of times that I have to train, for example, my brother, my COO, he's incredible, but he doesn't like to confront people. I've had someone who destroyed their career because they didn't want to confront me about something and they did mm. something wrong. If they confronted me, it would have changed everything for me and for them. Communication is so freaking powerful. And people that avoid it in business and in personal with your girlfriend, wife, kids, if you don't communicate, it's just going to backfire. It's just so yeah. freaking effective. It's part of what makes us human. So yeah. absolutely, man. Absolutely agree uh, with you. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, how do people get in touch with you? Um, I used to be very private until six months ago. Like I didn't have Facebook, LinkedIn, nothing at all until I realized that I probably should. And personal branding is not a fad. So you can just go my name, marionorful.com, or just Google me. Norful is N for Nelly, A for Alpha, W for Whiskey, F for Fred, A for Alpha, L for Larry. marionorful.com. And you'll see everything there, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was checking it out. You got a lot going on, man. Holy. Oh, I'm starting the, the whole personal branding thing now. I've just got a camera following me around sometimes. It's pretty... It's more competitive than I thought, but it's so fun. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you, man. Yeah. So what's next for you? Uh, that personal branding, honestly, not when I say personal branding, it's, I'm actually enjoying just giving value. I know it sounds mm. cheesy and everyone says give value, but it's actually so fun helping people, helping entrepreneurs that will ping me and say, Hey, now I'm launching business. I don't know what to do. Um, and I'm not encouraging anyone to do this. That's not why I'm saying this. Actually, genuinely, for the last two weeks, it gives you that warm feeling. I don't know how long I'll have it for until it just... <laughs> but it's in the early days now, and being a very private person, it's paying off. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, it's a big step, man. It's a big, big, giant but I'm step. But I'm doing it differently, though, Jamie. I'm not doing it where I just personal brand for the sake of it, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm actually running my business through that. So when I film, when the camera films me now, I changed my way of doing it. I say, all right, film. I do like 30 minute videos where I tell my team, all right, send this to Andrea, uh, Reese and Kirill. Guys, I want you to do this, this and that. The reason I want you to do it is X, Y, Z. And I need it done by that time. And the result we should expect is this. So, and then the editor will send them the video. So I'm actually instructing my team what to do through that video, but also posting it on my YouTube so everyone can see me how I run my business. So it's two and one. It's pretty cool. That's fantastic, man. Giving an insight. Holy cow. Yeah, I'm going to learn a lot from you. How old are you? I'm older than you think, man. I'm 29. You, no. No, I, yeah, I, I was going to guess. I was going to guess. I was going to guess 25. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. all right. I get, I get oh, good on you, man. man. Yeah. I started my business when I was 22. But I, I did well. I, I really did, did well. I, I'm happy with the way where I am now. I had to hustle my ass off in the first few years, but I'm happy. Good for you, man. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, you're, you're about uh, 18, 18, 19 years ahead of me. So good on you. You, you look like a baby if you shave. I can see <laughs> You look so young if you get that beard, but that beard suits you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's weird. It's got to stay around. That's part of the reason I don't work in corporate America. They wouldn't let me grow a beard, so I quit. Really? No. <laughs> they still have that mentality. Oh, uh, I don't know. That was back, that was back in the day. Uh, that oh, was back okay. in 2000, 2001, 2002. They're, they're lost, Jamie. They're lost. 
Ah, uh, you know, I, I got fired from a, uh, not fired, I guess, let go uh, from a staffing agency. And now I own one. So I think it was kind <laughs> Did you tell them? Oh, no, you don't see oh, no, like that. No. But you're too positive. You're too positive. If I was you, I'd send them. I'm a bit positive, but I, I know some people probably film themselves. So, hey, just want to say you let me go. That person, you, may, you send it to their CEO, say that general manager let me go. Just so you know, I'm a competitor now and I have an yeah. ad against I have an ad against your keyword on Google. Enjoy. Oh, that's freaking awesome, man. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap? Nothing. Great interview, and I love your, 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 your whole culture and your positivity. Oh, Marion, thank you so much. Uh, this is Mario Nafal, and that's M-A-R-I-O-N-A-W-F-A-L.com. You can go check it out. And that's, again, M-A-R-I-O-N-A-W-F-A-W-R-L.com. Go check it out. I'll also post all the links um, on the show notes so you can check those out. If you want to meet Mario, follow him around, seeing what he's doing, I highly encourage you to do so. Go to YouTube. Actually watch him in business, in action. I think that's really interesting. Good for you, man. Um, my name is Jamie J, the host of Culture Eat Stride. We've been talking with Mario Offal today. And uh, yeah, super excited. One thing I would like to mention is that if you do like the show, go to iTunes. If you like the podcast, go to iTunes, give us a rating review. If you really liked it, give us a five star. If you don't like it, still go to iTunes and rate me. Give me a one, give me a three, but tell me why you don't like it. I really want to improve or just send us an email, info at bottleneck.online. And again, if you want us to help stop the bottleneck in your business, you can go to bottleneck.online to learn more about hiring your very own virtual assistant. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Jamie J, and on behalf of my mouthful, uh, we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Culture Eat Strategy, we're done. 